What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. And if you guys aren't rocking a Mystery Ranch Fireline pack, well, you're doing it wrong and your back probably hates you. But in addition to all of your load-bearing essentials, they make a ton of other stuff. And especially stuff that's going back to the Wildland Fire community, which is pretty damn sweet. So as you well know, the uh, Mystery Ranch Backbone Series scholarships and the Backbone Series itself is up and it's live on mysteryranch.com. And if you want to support the cause and uh, su help support these men and women in the field contributing to a larger message, well, swing over to www.mysteryranch.com and check out the Mystery Ranch three-way briefcase. It is is a badass little briefcase and make a good crew boss kit. Or if you need to uh, get a bag to throw all of your civvy gear and all of your essentials, like your flip-flops and your toothbrush and all that stuff, little hotel bag, well, check out the Urban Assault 21 in Wildfire Black. All the pros, well, a portion of the proceeds goes back to the Backbone Series Scholarship. And uh, yeah, those folks are doing some great work over there. It's pretty awesome. So if you want to find out more, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check it out. The Anchor Point Podcast is also going to be brought to you by our premier coffee sponsor, and that is going to be none other than Hotshot Brewery. It's kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. But in addition to kick-ass coffee for kick-ass causes, well, they make a ton of other stuff. What, you might ask? Well, they make all of the tools of the trade to get your morning started off right, like arrow presses, pour-over system, grinders, all that stuff. And in addition to that, they have a ton of wildland firefighter themed apparel. So if you want to uh, go rep your unskilled laborer shirt and uh, kind of send a subtle message, well, go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check it out. And while you're at it, go over there and check out some of my uh, my merch. Yeah. Their uh, uh, Hotshot Brewery is actually supporting the Anchor Point Podcast by slinging our merch. So if you're looking for the staples, as I like to call them, like the Band of Brothers or the Misfits-themed Fire Fiend tea, well, go over to www.hotshotbrewery.com and check it out. A little section called T-A-P-P-S, the Anchor Point Podcast. So go check it out. The Anchor Point Podcast would also like to give a quick little shout out to our buddy Booze over at the Ass Movement. And if you guys don't know what the Ass Movement is, well, it's an acronym and it stands for the Anti-Service Shitting Movement. It is the finest in poo-bearing propaganda. Hell, even uh, Steve Rinella himself said that surface shitters are akin to tweakers or something along the lines. I'm paraphrasing. But... It's a problem that needs to stop. So if you want to uh, help spread the word about burying your turds, go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement and check this out. Listeners to this podcast can get 10% off site-wide on their order. Ooh, how do you do that? Well, it's easy. Go over to that website, www.thefirewild.com. Check out the ass movement, add some stuff to your cart and at the checkout, enter the code anchorpointass10 for 10% off your entire purchase. Once again, if you want the best in poo-bearing propaganda, go to the ass movement and check it out. And last but not least, the Anchor Point Podcast is going to be brought to you by the Smoky Generation, also known as the American Wildfire Experience. And if you guys don't know what that is, well, I highly, highly suggest going over there and checking it out over at www.wildfire.com wildfireexperience.org because it is a humongous and ever-growing pretty much 
monthly, daily. I don't even know at this point, but there's a hell of a lot of stories over there. But it is a digital archive of stories about wildland firefighting dating all the way back to the 1940s. It is freaking awesome. Not only that, but Bethany also has a scholarship opportunity out there for you folks in the field. So if you are a blogger, a writer, a photographer, a cinematographer, anybody who's telling the story of wildland fire, go over to www.wildfireexperience and check out the Smoky Generation grants. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. Opportunities there for you. So go over there. Once again, www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. Bethany, you have a kick-ass organization over there. Keep it up. The views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. I hope everybody's doing well out there and staying safe. And uh, yeah, looks like things are kind of winding down. We went from a PL of five to a PL of four here just recently, but we spent a record amount of days at a PL of five. Yeah, we spent 69 days at a PL of five, and uh, I know what you all are thinking, and it's probably nice. <laughs> Anyways, all joking aside, uh, yeah, we're not out of the weeds yet, so keep your heads on a swivel and stay safe out there. But today on the show, we are going to talk about leadership training and development crews. There's four of them across the nation. There's Asheville, there's Lewis and Clark, there's Redding, and then there's my alumni, Redmond Hotshots. And I am going to simp for that brand because I had one of the most amazing times of my fire career on Redmond Interagency Hotshots. So we're going to get him on the show today and we're going to explain what the program is all about. And if you're interested, well, look in the show notes and uh, yeah, I'll definitely about post some links and uh, how to get hired. It's pretty awesome. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce two of my good friends, Mr. Jordan Goley, the assistant superintendent, and Mr. Gabe Mason, the superintendent for Redmond Hotshots. Welcome to the Anchor Point. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point podcast. Today on the show, I've got my good buddies over at Redmond Hotshots, Mr. Gabe Mason and Jordan Goley. How's it going, guys? Excellent. Yeah, going good today. Nice, man. So, Jordan, let's start with you, man. Let's, uh, let's get a little bit of a rundown of who you are, what you do, and then we'll go into Gabe. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man. Uh, currently, I'm a squad leader on the Redmond Hotshots. I've been here for five seasons now. Um, and uh, I was a detailer on the Redmond Hotshots in the past, in the past. So came up through the program, uh, decided to come back and been here now, like I said, for five seasons. I uh, worked with Gabe in the past. And before this, uh, we ran uh, the Snow Creek Wildland Fire Module out of Bend. I was the assistant there for Gabe. And that's where we started our relationship before we came here to Redmond together. And then um, before that, I was a squad leader in California 
on a hot shot crew on the Six Rivers. Before that, engine captain on the Fremont Wynema. Uh, apprentice through engine captain there, and then uh, started out as a young buck on the Okanagan Wenatchee, working the crews and uh, engines there. So yeah, I'm a Northwest kid through and through, fire up here. Uh, also in California for a couple of years and uh, went to college here at, at Washington State University. Go Kooks. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Dude, Six Rivers, that's a pretty gnarly uh, terrain down in there. Yeah, man, you know, that was uh, one of those highlights in my career. I was at the right age to show up there, you know, chopping at the bit to prove myself and uh, getting to the Six Rivers, you know, practice every single day, PT. It was as hard as any other fire was going to be, you know. So being able to practice at the highest level, I uh, really prepared me for every single thing I intended to do after that in my career, you know, took away the physical fitness part or the steepness part. All those fears, I mean, are gone from my soul after working on the six rivers. Just crush it, huh? <laughs> just crush that fear away. Nice. <laughs> so question for you, man, there's always this battle between the Klamath and the six rivers of which terrain is harder. What's the hardest like side of that forest, right? That particular area. So what's your opinion? I'm guessing you're going to be biased. <laughs> I, yeah, for sure. I'm a six rivers kid. You know, the Klamath is just as dominating. Uh, it just has that like the Hollywood kid, you know, it's that popular kid is the Klamath. Everybody wants to say they went to the Klamath, uh, where the Six Rivers is, you know, you leave your spirits there. You know, there's not much to talk about once you get back from the Six. Uh, so uh, it's really, it's a prideful place to be from as well as the work. But once you get back there, you know, you did something. Hell yeah, man. That's awesome. So Gabe, what about you, man? Uh, we've actually worked together. So I want to preface this uh, conversation with, I've actually worked with Gabe and you guys obviously work together. So it's like this big circle and actually... I was a Redmond Hotshot alumni, but I met you before I was on Redmond and before you were on Redmond. Yeah, it's such a small fire community, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm the superintendent of the Redmond Hotshots. And when I met you, I had a I had a short note written on my court board in my office as a Gold Beach crew boss that said uh, become the Redmond Hotshot superintendent. And I fulfilled that goal in 2018. Um, a long journey. I was on this crew in 2004 um, from the Diamond Lake Ranger District on the Umpqua. I was an apprentice and then got on the Redmond Hotshots and it uh, made a huge impact on me. I didn't quite realize that I went on to the Prineville Hotshots and then uh, to Alaska to jump. And then um, somewhere in the third or fourth year of jumping in Alaska was when I, I had a really clear understanding of what my skill set, what my desires, where we're best suited. And it was here. And I had a marvelous experience on Redmond. It was hard. It was um, sucked in many ways, but it was also um, looking back at that time um, something I really wanted to aspire to get back to. Um, and so I set that goal. I migrated from Alaska to back to Oregon, for that crew boss position, um, uh, at Gold Beach where we met. And then, um, you know, uh, then migrated to central Oregon where I work with Jordan, met Jordan. Uh, and then we both were fortunate enough to get hired on here in 2018, where we both currently 
uh, work. So that's the yeah short executive summary of my career. But uh, you'll see um, the Rainier R that I'm sporting is the Redmond logo, and I'm super stoked to be a to be a part of it. Back, I'm back. You know, it's I'm back, baby. It's been a long past. Nice, man. Well, yeah, it's uh, so Redmond Hotshots was one of those unique times in my fire career. And uh, I, it was one of the most memorable times of my career. And I think it was, you know, one of the apexes, I guess, if you guys, that's even a word of my fire career. So I'm super stoked to have you guys on to further explain like why these crews, these uh, leadership and development crews are so important because I find an immense amount of value in these programs. So let's get into the nitty gritty of the Redmond uh, program and I guess the entirety of the training and development crews. Take it away, man. Yeah, thanks for teeing that up. I appreciate it, Brandon. I'm glad to hear it had a good impact on you. I mentioned before that it did on me. And I know from all my conversations with Jordan, uh, over the years that it did on him as well. Um, I'll do my best to uh, to be succinct, but this program has 60 plus years of history, so it's difficult to really distill all that. Um, but it is good to know the roots to give you a little context. This crew, Redmond, was the first inter-regional fire crew in the Oregon, Washington area. It transitioned to become a hotshot crew, a traditional hotshot crew, um, after, shortly after its inception. And in the late 70s and early 80s, this program migrated to become a leadership development program, much like one that existed in Redding because from the Washington office perspective, there was a need. And so they surveyed where it would be the best place to put something like that. And Redmond rose to the top. You know, it's the air center. We're surrounded by the cash dispatch, smoke jumpers, Redmond air group, air tanker base. It's a natural um, Mecca of fire stuff in the Pacific Northwest. So um, that's a very brief look at you know, how the program came to be. Um, and when it became a training program, um, for those listeners that don't know, um, that means we have a distinct curriculum that's separate and different from conventional hotshot crews. We have the same mission, go out and provide a resource for incident management teams to, to do a thing, put out a fire, make a fire bigger, manage a fire, watch fire, whatever it might be. However, if you look at specifically how we do it, that's what's unique, right? We have a rotating leadership. We have a curriculum that builds up to the fire season. And then we have an offboarding process. And then probably most importantly, which I think most people know, is that it's 15 new people each year. So myself and Jordan, Dave Barone, Megan Sailors, and Philip Capurro, we're all here. We're the permanent staff. We're the permanent leadership that facilitate all this. We got 15 new people each year that come in hungry and migrate through the program. So, so, so I kind of laid the framework there. Um, 
the big why that I want to talk about is there's no better forum that I know of for leadership development than a hotshot crew. Now it doesn't have to be Redmond. Redmond were set up for it. You know, we're going to, Jordan is going to have a, a crew boss trainee um, with him during the summer months. Um, and, and then he's going to rotate that crew boss trainee. However, any hotshot crew is going to have really challenging operational assignments. You're going to see a lot of fire. You're going to see a lot of big fire and you're going to build a team. And I think those elements are really super important for, for leadership development. You have to have challenging situations and you have to work through it with a team. And that's why um, this program really exists. And uh, we kind of maximize the leadership part by having the curriculum and then the rotating leadership. So everyone gets to be in charge of that crew. Uh, did that capture, Jordan, you have anything to add to that? You know, I would, I'd like to highlight a couple of things, you know, uh, as you said, you know, we have 15 people that come every single year uh, here and show up ready to go. Uh, this year we had 16. I'd like to note that first time ever. Uh, 16 folks showed up. Uh, not a mistake, deliberate. Uh, but uh, we have 15 new people that show up every year, you know, and uh, from my experience working on districts or even uh, traditional hotshot crews, uh, year in and year out, you have people that show up with, you know, whether it's baggage or personal experiences or, or winter syndrome, still hanging on them. You know, they show up and they're not quite ready to go for the season or they think they should have the radio this year or they should have the chainsaw this year. And uh, the uniqueness that Redmond provides is, you know, those 15 people that apply in September, October right now, uh, they find out in December, uh, they start the process in January of growing together and becoming a team. And then we show up and we begin and we fight fire together uh, in April all the way through September here, you know? And uh, when they show up starting in January and then when we meet them in person in April, uh, they all want to be here. You know, every single person uh, went through the application process, prepared their bodies, prepared their minds, and they're chomping at the bit uh, on day one to be here and prove themselves, uh, prove it to themselves and prove it to, to us that they're ready to go. And uh, that is very unique to this program and all my travels uh, through the agency is, you know, you just have that baggage that carries over from the year before, those personalities that don't mix or are starting to rub. And uh, we do have a precious opportunity when those folks show up, uh, not to spoil it, but to carry them through a season uh, with the best spirits ahead of them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, the 15 people is, is a big deal. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that you have a fresh batch of people uh, every year, right? You have 15 to 16. You had 16 this year, but 15 on average applicants and new people coming in, cycling in and out of this program every year. Whereas a traditional, uh, traditional, I'm using that term loosely, hotshot crew, I mean, you have a lot of uh, returnees. So I could imagine that the, I guess, the dynamic of the crew is going to change, maybe not necessarily dramatically but you have an opportunity to like mold this condition of the crew, like this, this temperament of the crew, if you will, every year, but every year it's going to have its own little bit of uniqueness. That's, that's pretty cool. I think that's interesting because you're always, when it comes to leadership, you're always thinking about the, you know, forming, storming or forming, norming, storming kind of phase. And you guys have to do that every year. That's pretty unique. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think traditional hotshot crews are, are starting to get a little taste of that. You know, they're hiring four to eight people year in and year out nowadays. You know, back when I first started on crews, you know, it was one to two people maybe joining a traditional crew, you know. 
Um, so they're starting to close that gap a little bit, uh, but it is, I mean, it's quite the experience having to uh, take these people, you know, we break down the facades, uh, we get together, we, we're getting very physical together, you know, you can't hide much. Uh, we're challenging you, we're putting you in leadership uh, moments and opportunities in front of your peers. Uh, so there's not a lot of space to hide, you know, so that forming, uh, storming, norming, uh, that process is compressed and it happens, you know, year in and year out. And it's, uh, it's beautiful to watch one and be a part of, uh, but that, you know, that is also the struggle that you're going to go through. Uh, you're not going to be able to just say, hey, go do this. Uh, you're going to have to start at ground zero every single year. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And you have a lot of opportunities to put yourself in uncom- uncomfortable situations or something that you may have never done before, like running a crew. Like if you have a crew boss uh, task book open, you have that opportunity to act as that crew boss, right? Or the squatty position or a lookout or anything associated with a hotshot crew. And it's pretty awesome that not a lot of traditional crews have that opportunity. You usually have to fight for it for pretty long to get that opportunity. So you get your feet wet pretty quick. And like you said, you can't hide on Redmond. Yeah, no, it'll come out. It'll come out over time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So but not only the uniqueness of the crew and having that cycle of fresh uh, faces every year, right? You guys also provide a lot of very unique training opportunities on the preseason side of things before you guys go out and do your, uh, your RX tour, if you will. Um, like unique classes. Like when I went through uh, Redmond in 2016, we did this thing called the Duncan Leadership uh, Assessment. So Duncan Leadership, they came in, they did this assessment, they kind of identified who we are as a person, but more importantly, they kind of took data from your peers and kind of put that into like a little pie chart of how your peers viewed you. So it was this really wild introspective thing that you got an opportunity to, t- to do. And it really makes you learn a lot about yourself and it gives you the tools for the future to operate better with your, your peers. Do you guys still do anything like that? Or do you have any other unique programs that you guys uh, put people through like preseason? Yeah. Yeah, of course. We, we did that company, the owners of that company actually retired. So, um, it was a popular one. We do still, uh, well, I'll just say, yeah, we, we, we do invest heavily in, um, developing the team before we go out to the field. And that's, uh, one element of it. So, um, Jordan, uh, Give a little insight. the The conversations start in December and January. This last season, we used a product called Strava, which is an online um, fitness tracker, to start building the team, to you know create that transparency about who we are, what we expect, and then what the fitness uh, level um, is supposed to be, and also just um, start communicating. But with respect to the the personality profiling that you're getting to about the Myers-Briggs, we use a Leadership 360 assessment with a private contractor um, to do a similar end state to give you insight about how other people view you in different arenas. And the power there really is downstream because you want to reference it uh, right away when you get the results and, and we do that, but then also in a year, two, three years. So, you know, if you're making progress in those areas where you might need improvement. 
But besides the Leadership 360 um, portion of our curriculum, um, the staff ride is a staple uh, part of coming to Redmond. And that has a lot of power. Not a lot of crews get to do that. We will do that every single season. And whenever we go to a historic or watershed moment, like say we're in Washington and we're near uh, 30 mile, we'll go visit that site. Um, however, we do one official staff ride a year. And I know the other uh, leadership development crews do that as well. Reading always goes to Storm King, Asheville. Um, we'll go um, to a variety of different um, staff rides. So the staff ride coupled with the Leadership 360, we also do a L380. Um, we fit in um, other courses as the fire season allows. And then on top of that, we do, um, well, I don't want to diminish any of these things, but um, we fit in as much as we can before we start the fuel season. And then, um, well, I feel like I'm being a little long-winded, Jordan. Are there any particular elements to, to talk about with respect to our curriculum leading up to the season? Yeah, you know, I, I'd say the L380 is a big one. You know, whether or not the individual has already participated in L380, uh, they still go back through it and they go back through it with their peers of 15. You know, so there are some other folks, I think the class size is something like 25 maybe, uh, but our entire crew goes through L380 together. And that somewhat prepares them and gives us a snapshot to who they are as leaders. You know, you rotate through who's in the leadership position for different exercises or different scenarios. And uh, that's very much like what our season is like, uh, a little bit more structured and predictable. Um, but uh, L380 as a group or as a crew uh, is pretty important to their development. You know, it's that first facade stripping in the first three weeks of our program. Um, and we also do the luck runs out, uh, the MCS, um, really try to highlight uh, the importance of the work that we're doing, as well as uh, really get people to talk about and understand their whys, you know, uh, where they're coming from typically isn't a, a type one crew or a type one resource. Uh, so when they show up here, uh, whether they are in fire, they're out of fire, or they're in the agency or they're out of the agency, they show up here, you know, it's really important to us to also drive home that importance of uh, the risk that you're taking, as well as uh, the importance of the work um, and the mindfulness that you need to have while you're out there. Oh yeah. The uh, mindfulness thing is definitely huge. Um, but also you mentioned MCS coming through and teaching. You said MCS was teaching L380. They're the ones who are contracted to do that. Uh, no, recently we've had the four servers do the L380 version. Uh, we have MCS for the luck runs out course. Gotcha. My misunderstanding. Um, I do know I've had experience in the past with, uh, with MCS and they're awesome. They're friggin' awesome with their courses that they put on. I did a, a couple of their programs over at the academy. Uh, part of it was the L380 course that was attached to my particular academy. But yeah, it's, there's a lot of value in that program with what MCS is doing because it kind of forces you into that uncomfortable situation and it forces you to make decisions on in a safe environment where there's not a lot of consequence, but there's consequence to your actions on paper, I guess you could say. So I found a lot of value in that. And also it, it the, I guess the value of that is that you don't have an opportunity to hide like you guys have already been doing with uh, your crew. It's, it's just another step in that process of building a better human and a better firefighter. I love that. 
and in combination with that 360 assessment, like that's the that's the gig, the timing of that reminder of like this is you as a human. You know, you have this perspective of your peers, uh, your subordinates, if you have some, as well as your supervisors and those people at the same level. You know, you get that feedback right before our season, and then we we throw you into a similar situation where you're going from the top of the food chain, you have the crew boss or the squad leader, back to the bottom of the food chain, you know? So uh, you're getting real life 360 feedback going from riding in the soup truck to now you're in the back of the buggy and not everybody gets to tell you how terrible your plan was. Everybody gets to tell you uh, how good your, your plan was and you get to live it out. You know, if you made mistakes, now you physically uh, get to make up for some of those mistakes you made in the leadership role. So it's real life 360 assessment once the season begins as well. Oh, absolutely. And it keeps you humble too. I mean, if you're not, you know, just sitting there at the top um, and you have to, you know, cycle back to the the buggy, you know, being a backseater, uh, I think it kind of uh, adds a little bit of humility to the whole thing. So I think it's important. Yeah, that's important. Humility for sure. Yeah, that's great to hear you say that, Brandon. That's, that's, uh, sounds like Bretman did have a, an impact on you for sure. It definitely did. And like I said, man, it was one of the most memorable times of my whole entire fire career. And I think that uh, what we were talking about earlier about the uh, relationships that you develop, I think those are even more important as a, a part of the program that you have to offer over there at Redmond. And uh, those those relationships that you develop on that time, even though it might be condensed, it might be only six months, those relationships do last a lifetime. I mean, I still talk to all of my crew, we still have like a text message thread with the entire crew on it. It's, it's awesome. With the 20, no, not our year, not 2013, but I think we're like three for three for four in our leadership yeah. years here. Like I have to now at least iPhones allow you to label groups because I have multiple yeah. 20 person threads going yeah. from uh, the years of Redmond as you're speaking of. Oh yeah. It's priceless, man. It's, it's it's good. I, I, that's probably one of my other favorite parts about the whole program. But yeah, um, so as far as the program goes, you said there's four crews uh, in the nation that kind of specialize in this. Now, what else is there to the program that's unique? And how does your season go about? Like, what's a typical season for you? What do you guys do? Like, is it, how would you explain this to someone who's never heard of it before? Roger, well, before we get into the uh, more granular stuff about how, because I, I do want to obviously talk about the how part of it, Brandon, I appreciate that. Just when Jordan was talking there, it reminded me, and you guys were out of that conversation, so Lance Honda was the superintendent of this crew in the early 90s, and then he migrated to Prineville where he was my superintendent for a short while. And so Lance had a lot of figures of speech and one of them was um they're going to forget what you said they're going to forget what you did they're not going to forget how you made them feel and he was really speaking how i interpret that as you know to empower my teammates and i bet when you look back at your season on redmond you don't remember with much specificity what the superintendent said or did but you remember how you feel about that person so um my leadership philosophy is, is really to empower people and, and Redmond is a good forum to do that. All the leadership development programs afford us that space where you can say, you are the leader. I'm here to support you. Now, 
you want to cold trail this again and you don't want to take a break, um, it's safe. Let's do it. But I know that these characters are all going to be bent out of shape because we've cold trailed it three times. That's just one example, but I, I, I just wanted to, um, to make sure that, that that's out there. I am the superintendent, but I don't um, task and organize the crew every day. Like that's the role of the detailers or the crew members when you come here is figure out how to mo motivate your teammates and, and accomplish the mission. There's a lot of room within that to, to be successful. Um, so the, the, um, I'll, I'll just talk a little bit about the how, cause it's, uh, um, it's confusing in this, this bureaucratic age. How do you, how do you get somewhere, um, with all these different portals and mechanisms? Our application will open up at the end of September and close right before Thanksgiving. And then we make the selections in the two weeks following that so that people have um, an awareness of what they're going to be doing the following season. It's very easy to apply. I send the application, which is an online process. It's a, um, a click through process that gets, um, of course, transcribed into SharePoint where Jordan and I can look at it virtually but it's really just a resume. Um, say a little bit about your intent. And then, um, um, if you have any issues, you can find this of course on our Facebook page, our portal or LMS page, or likely your supervisor has received an email about how to apply. Um, so the how is an online application. It's not USA Jobs. But if you have any questions, you can, uh, of course, reach out to me via email or any of the leadership here at the Redmond Hotshots. Jordan, you can expand a little bit about um, the flow of the season from hiring to uh, classroom to staff ride to fuels and so forth. Yeah, get the first months. Uh, yeah, so, you know, our applications close and we reach out uh, to those individuals, hopefully in December, the month of December, folks find out that they've made it onto the crew. Uh, give them that good heads up and that, that last hurrah, eat that Christmas cake, uh, because every piece of cake you eat after that is now a uh, hotshot cake. So, uh, you know, January comes around, we start the Strava app, which is that uh, mobile app that you can track fitness, you know, and that was one of the biggest uh, things I noticed about my Redmond experience. Uh, was the fitness tracking, uh, the physical fitness when we showed up. You know, when I was training, I just didn't know. You know, I had one hotshot season prior to being on Redmond. So I had an idea, but I didn't know what Redmond did. Were they hikers or runners? Uh, are we CrossFitters? Whatever. You know, so there really wasn't a, a PT dialogue preseason. Uh, so getting the squad leader position, that was a, one of the first two toys I grabbed onto, was how do I improve uh, the physical fitness of the individuals when they show up here in April? And uh, if we can let you know in December that your job is here at the Redmond Hotshots, uh, if I give you a goal in four months to physically change your body, uh, I am of the belief that you can, you know, make progress towards that goal, if not achieve that goal, you know, with four months and uh, the right mindset. So 
In January, we start the Strava mobile app where we do fitness tracking. Uh, the idea is to build that fitness capacity uh, for the individual and then also to recognize where the crew is at as a whole. And then lastly, um, and most importantly, honestly, is to build the cohesion, get those folks to know each other prior to waiting to April 1st and showing up here and then like, hey, I'm Jordan. Uh, so uh, we do do the fitness tracker. We keep it all anonymous um, to Quentin Tarantino. I keep it to the Reservoir Dogs. I give everybody a color. Mr. Maroon, Mr. Black, we have Mr. Chartreuse, Miss Purple, uh, Miss Emerald, so on and so forth. So we keep it anonymous. Uh, you get to see what everybody's color is and what their output is essentially. Uh, every week uh, you're required to submit what you did for that week. Uh, it's not prescriptive, it's not too guided. Um, on Thursdays, I give out a crew goal. On Tuesdays, I give out a, a leadership challenge. So a leadership challenge on a Tuesday would look like Jordan's challenge is for the entire crew to get, um, let's say, 10,000 squats by the end of today, you know? And then uh, a Thursday challenge, a whole crew challenge uh, would be, hey, this week as a crew, let's run 200 miles as a crew, you know? And then the following week would be something like, let's hike 100 miles as a crew. You know, so Gabe can hike 30 miles because he's a great hiker. I can hike 12 miles because I'm a poor hiker. And then the run week, I'll pick up his slack. I'll run 52 miles and Gabe will run 17 miles, uh, so on and so forth. So give the crew members a chance to, one, self-pace, do their own workouts, two, uh, see what that capacity is of the group, and then three, uh, pick up each other's slack and really start building that team, you know, recognizing that I don't have to be great at everything. Uh, Mr. Maroon is great at running, so look, it, I want to be able to pick up a lot of stuff for this guy. You know, he's got that cardiovascular fitness. Um, so, yeah, built the fitness program. Well, we use the Strava app. You have a squad leader checking in with you every two weeks, uh, one to check on your fitness as well as answer questions. Uh, not only are you getting into a new uh, experience physically, you're getting into a new experience mentally, right? Are you preparing your family uh, for the transference of, I'm going to go hotshot this year, 14 and two? Are you preparing your family or whoever's at home for you uh, for the fact that you're going to come to Redmond, you're going to detail at Redmond and you're going to live here for the year, right? And that's part of the program. We have dorm rooms here uh, for our 15 detailers because they're usually from around the country. So, you know, they have to leave their house. They have to come here. They have to set up. They have a kitchen. Uh, they have common areas and they're going to have roommates, you know. So our squad leader talks every two weeks are about the physical fitness and about the mental preparations for showing up at Redmond. And then, you know, naturally it gets into what should I bring, uh, those types of things. Um, is all that clear so far, Brandon? Yeah. And uh, by the way, I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. So thank you for the uh, Reservoir Dogs reference there. That's, that's one of my favorites, dude. You know, I, only like eight people knew out of the 20 people, 21 people we had this year, only eight people knew what the reference was. Oh, man. These guys got to get into the, the... Come on, man. It's Quentin Tarantino. It's classic. I'm not that old. I'm not really not that old. I'm not, I'm not up there like that. It's pre -work. It should be pre-work. Pre-work. Pulp Fiction is usually, uh, when I run a squad, Pulp Fiction is squad pre-work. Um, but uh, not this year. This year I was the assistant superintendent. Uh, so I didn't want to flex my assistant superintendent prowess over 15 people. You know, five <laughs> to eight is, is appropriate. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, and now, so you're, you're, the, the folks that are showing up in the uh, preseason, they're doing their preseason runs. Uh, they're doing their Strava app. They're reporting. They're doing team building exercises without really even being in a team setting like all together. Then you go into 
your fitness program for the season. So you guys, your guys and girls are showing up to the Redmond facility, getting dialed in with their dorms, getting, I guess, loosely associated with the program. What happens to your PT schedule after that? Because now you go into like the group PT setting. At least hold, my experience. Hold on. There's just one, one auto correction I want to do there, Brandon. Something we've done the last year in light of the COVID environment is we have had teams meetings for interested personnel. Now I can't speak for those other uh, developmental hotshot crews. So if somebody calls me and asks me more about the crew, I'll say, please attend the team's meeting and it'll be an open forum. I'll have at least two of them, myself, Jordan, the other folks that are part of the leadership group will be on there to really give context for any questions and then people can hear the responses because likely, hey, I'm interested in Redmond, I'm interested you come about, I don't know what it's all about. So you go in there and then uh, you get a little bit more beta to work from. So I'll, I'll just put that out there for people that are interested. Um, this isn't the only uh, repository to get information. We'll have more teams meetings to dispel rumors and also give clarification on timelines and, and process as well as just get a better understanding about who Jordan is, who Dave is, who Gabe is and, and so forth. But, um, uh, you were asking about the transition of the fitness part from been alone off season, say in Mississippi, waiting to come to Redmond. And um, yeah, what do we do next, Jordan? <laughs> you know, those, um, you know, those first two weeks of any shot crew is critical. You know, it's critical 80 training. Yeah. It is, you know, that worrisome time really for anybody, no matter where you are, if you're a crew member looking up, you're like, am I fit enough for the year? If you're a leader, if you're in the leadership group looking down at the group, at the team, you're just hoping everybody shows up fit uh, physically and mentally. Uh, so it's a super critical time for our team development as well as just seeing what we have uh, because of that, that uh, unfamiliarity with the group, right? So uh, the first two weeks and everything I've spoken to so far is really pandemic. Um, everything will look the same post-pandemic, except for I would expect to invite people to Redmond more often to PT with us. You know, that's kind of been put on hold because of the pandemic. In the previous years, we did have coffee PTs and things like that, where crew members, prospective crew members or signed up folks in that January through April period could meet us in Redmond, go for a run with the leadership group here, get to know us in person. But uh, during the pandemic, obviously, trying to utilize the team's meetings as well as uh, the mobile apps as much as possible. Um, but getting into the, the year, you know, we hop into double day PTs uh, out the gates there. And uh, we aren't a running or a hiking crew. Uh, so we don't fill either one of those lanes. We do both uh, very regularly, you know. So our runs range from uh, four to seven miles. You know, that would be a regular run for the Redmond crew, four to seven miles. Um, that'd be PT running. We do have a hiking hill just right around the corner here. So uh, when we get into our double days for that first two weeks, super critical. Uh, one, we just want to see what effort, what the effort looks like. Yeah, we're gauging to see where everybody's at, um, but we can easily gauge what effort, how much effort you're giving us out there on the hill or on a run, you know? So uh, we switch it up. You know, if you run in the morning, you're going for a hike in the afternoon. Uh, you're not double hiking. No things like that. If you go for a run in the morning, we'll do calisthenics in the afternoon, things like that. With COVID and the pandemic, uh, we've broken into little modules and done PT uh, during that two-week quarantine period, right? Because everybody's moving here. 
Uh, they're not returning. There's no familiarity. Uh, everybody's detailing to our crew or showing up from elsewhere. So we still take it pretty slow there. So we're still modulized for our pre-season, our that first two, three week of training, uh, getting into that family unit mindset. Uh, but two two PTs a day, calisthenics running, running calisthenics, running hiking. Uh, we'll try to jam in, you know, a leg day Wednesday. You know, we'll do a leg workout in the morning. Then we'll take the crew for a hike in the afternoon. Uh, nice crew pace getting up the hill. Uh, but we do try to pile it on physically uh, those first two weeks. You know, and um, I've been all around in my in my career so far. You know, Gabe uh, is also covered the base of being a jumper, you know. So we have all the modules covered as far as experience. And in my experience, you know, our PT program is 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 there, uh, but it's nothing it's nothing to to run home about as far as uh, it can't be done. You know, like I said, we're going to pile it on you, but I need to know uh, where that breaking point is, uh, where you showed up, where do we need to go as a crew, and how do we get everybody up the step? Whether it's everybody running at this pace, everybody hiking at this pace, or everybody physically able to move this amount of weight or this amount of our body uh, off the ground. You know, so. I really trying to establish what that crew pace is in those first two weeks. And so we give it to everybody just the same, you know, pile it on. Yeah. It's not like you guys are going to be doing like the David Goggins four four forty eight challenge or anything like that, but also it's a very team environment as in you either succeed as a team or you don't succeed as a team. So yeah, there's a, a lot of respect in that in the manner that you're not intentionally trying to break people off, but you're also serious about your fitness. So that's something that's a good expectation to set, I think. That's a, that's our biggest learning curve, I find, is that physical fitness level, you know, because it's unknown for the team team members that are showing up. Uh, what, what do I need to do to prepare for the season? You know, everybody is different. So it isn't prescriptive. Uh, so we're going to just try to stay on the same pace, create goals, see what you're doing as far as contributing to those goals. And then when you do show up, again, it is not everybody's expected to to be able to keep up at the same pace on day one up the hill, right? We all have our different strengths. So where do we migrate to as a group uh, to create that crew pace? And uh, you know, throughout this whole process, we are looking for leaders amongst the team. You know, not really trying to uh, burden that, uh, have that burden on just the five leadership that are here year in and year out. And we're waiting for those leaders amongst the team to to rise up and motivate and uh, run back to go pick up a teammate and those types of things. You know, so. Uh, definitely not a test of any means, but it definitely gives us insight to the character of the folks that we have, whether they're in the front, they're in the back and what they're doing to bridge those gaps. Oh yeah. And there's nothing like, uh, nothing says, I guess it, like, I guess you could say nothing says cohesion, like suffering together to a degree. So I think it's important. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a, a crew that's going to suffer together and PT together. And you find that pace where everybody's at, that's where you need to be. It's only going to develop leaders. It's going to develop character. It's awesome. You know, Brandon, we, we, the Strava thing has been a huge asset for us. When you show up here, the focus, we do have a little bit of time, but the focus really is on maintenance and recovery. Because as soon as possible, we're going to be walking on those ridges. We're going to be dragging hose around uh you know a, a fur fuel type and it's going to be a, a a pain in the ass so people need to show up prepared physically to do the nature of this work so you don't come here and get fit that's the idea behind strava and behind the conversations in january is you have everything you need to show up 
but we know, we know that you just don't know until you get here. And, uh, there's, so we try and get, you know, really, um, I guess, uh, shorten up that chasm of misinformation. Like, okay, now I know pretty much what I need to be at, but of course there's going to be some growing pains when you get here, but you're going to get here and we're going to get running. And then it's about maintenance and recovery. You need to know how to get fit or how to stay fit and how to heal up on those days off. Cause it's a hot shot crew. It's busy as hell. And you just get two days off to lick your wounds and, um, and go back to work. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's an important part to point out right there is your program uh, gives you the tools for success to be successful on the crew beforehand. You're not showing up and just like getting the crap kicked out of you. And that's important. And it is busy. And I think that the efforts into recovery and maintenance, like you were saying, that's even more important because you need to have longevity in this career, especially over a season like this one, where we're in PL of five for 69 days. Like, holy crap, man, that's that's getting after it for an entire season. And it's hard work. It is. Yeah, and, and, and Jordan's talking about all the specifics with regards to fitness, you know, um, that's mentally tough as well. And you're coming with 15 new people each year, 16 this year, all different disciplines, all different geographic areas coming together, mashing together, being a hotshot crew. That's pretty tough. You know, people are missing their dogs or loved ones. You know, that that's, you might say, well, that's expected. You know, you're on a hotshot crew. Well, I tell you what, I still miss my kid. I still miss my wife. It's tough. It's a, it's a big ass mentally and physically. So we do our best up front with the preparedness guide, with the conversations to get people mentally ready for, for what it is. And it's wonderful. You know, it's hard, but of course that's what makes it powerful. Um, so, so we talked a lot about fitness and then, and then a bit about the curriculum and, and I, um, that's super important. But um, that part I just mentioned about the different disciplines, that's what's uh, really cool. And I think it's unique to Redmond and the other uh, developmental crews. You're a primary fire. Most of the people that come here are primary fire, but we, I, Jordan, all of us um, that are here permanently, wanna make sure that folks that are listening to this that aren't primary fire, please reach out. This is a leadership development program. This is not a firefighter development program. So we always have other disciplines represented. You know, we had a uh, timber sale administrator on the crew this last year. Every year we're gonna have different disciplines. And within that is a golden opportunity for me and all of us to learn a little bit more about, um, you know, the resource that we're all hoping to improve, uh, which is the landscape. So, so I really enjoy the other disciplines. They have a lot to offer. And I, I pray that we have a lot to offer back to them and in, in the form of the leadership development. So it's not just fire folks. I really hope to see other disciplines apply. Did you have other folks on your crew and you're on the crew or were they all primary fire? Yeah, actually we had uh, a fish, like a fisheries or a fish biologist or something like that. I, I can't remember what he did, but he was out of Louisiana. But um, yeah, and I, I, I want to thank you for bringing that up as well, that it's not just sequestered to fire personnel. I mean, it could be 
dispatch. It could be a timber cruiser, like you're saying. It, you could be a a biologist. I mean, as long as you want this opportunity to develop your leadership, definitely take it. That's that's huge. I mean, imagine if you're going back, if you're like that timber cruiser guy or girl. Um, imagine going back to your home unit and saying, "I did this. Now I have an understanding about the fire side of things." even though I was a biologist or a timber cruiser or whatever, that extends far past just primary fire. Yeah, that is, that is the beauty of fire. You know, thinking about the entire agency, you know, the compressed leadership experiences uh, that firefighters get to experience, you know, in our day-to-day job. You know, I go through 15 to 20 in a single day, uh, whereas, you know, those other disciplines just aren't put in those situations where they have to, I get through a leadership moment where they have to lead a group or a, a random group at that, you know, at any moment. Uh, so those other disciplines showing up. And I think, you know, that's one of the biggest benefits looking forward into the future from our program is what those other discipline, uh, those folks from the other disciplines take away from our program. You know, those become those agency administrators, those forest supervisors, things like that, you know, and they have that uh, small slice of fire uh, that they're asked to represent but they get to carry that small slice of experience with them uh, all the way to the top, you know? Oh, absolutely. And that's a two way street too. Cause I mean, I learned a ton from the biologist that was on the crew in 2016. And I'm sure that your crew has learned a ton from all uh, everybody on the crew. Everybody is unique and has something else to offer besides fire. And that's an important takeaway about the program. Yeah, and those cats, I mean, hold their own every single year here. You know, it's it's clear cut. They're not behind by any means. Uh, they do bring different skill sets uh, to the team, you know, whether it's a briefing skill set or a managerial skill set or even the physicality. You know, they show up with a different set of skills. They're not getting washed. They're keeping up and they're representing themselves. So, I mean, that's a, a cool thing to be a part of, but... Uh, it's cool that they're able to maintain that integrity and uh, dominate their lane while they're here. Yeah. You know, it is an interagency hotshot crew, which um, since I've been here and in the years before me, and I would expect the future, you know, you're going to have DNR representation. You're going to have BLM representation. You're going to have, of course, Forest Service representation. And then, of course, within those umbrellas, you're going to have different disciplines, uh, biologists, wildlife, timber, and so on. So yeah, that's super cool to add, add that whole nother layer to, to the experience. Now I can't really speak for Asheville or Redding or Lewis and Clark, the other developmental hotshot crews on um, whether or not they cross pollinate quite like that. But um, I'm sure your listeners could find out rather quickly if they called those, those units to talk to them about it. Um, one thing I think that is worth mentioning, Brandon, is um, the process of applying. You know, we make the selections right before um, people go on Christmas vacation time. So right after Thanksgiving, but before Christmas, you know, you'll be getting a phone call and we'll be um, getting our, our roster set up. Reading is after Christmas. Um, and then of course, Asheville, their crew, their, their season is during those winter months, you know, when, when their operation is, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be quoted specifically, but it's the fall, winter, spring months. So they're offset from those, um, 
um, uh, West Coast cruise. So we all have slightly different timelines, just FYI. Um, but I, I, I yeah, that kind of off subject, I just want to make sure I point that out. Slightly different timelines and um, a slightly different composition of who gets on the crew. I think, I don't even want to go into that. I'll just tell you about our crew. We encourage other disciplines to apply. Yeah, but it's important that you bring that up because, I mean, it, it, your Redmond's not the only uh, training and development crew out there, right? I mean, like you say, you have Asheville, you have Redding, you have Redmond, and you have, you said, Lewis and Clark as well. Um, but they all, like us, like you, we were talking about earlier, they all have a very unique timeline. They have a unique program and they cater to different needs of the agency. Agencies, plural. I think anybody that's, uh, you know, desiring leadership development, Red, Redmond is a specifically designed for it, but any hotshot crew is going to be a great place to get some of those skills that will serve you well in whatever field you find yourself in. You know, it's just a, a great forum to experience it. And uh, so I would encourage people, hey, you know, maybe Redmond isn't for you. Maybe Redding isn't for you. Well, I'm serious. Any hotshot crew is a great forum to get good experience in the leadership uh, arena. I mean, Prineville was a, I have super fond memories of my experiences on Prineville. And they, like I said, they, a lot of them sucked. And that was, uh, that was good years later. Made me who I was, who I am. You find a lot of, uh, I guess, strength in adversity and experiencing a lot of adverse events. And I think that there's a point to what you're saying there. And that point is that being in a, on a, on a hotshot crew, it prepares you for much more than just fire. It teaches you physical resiliency, mental resiliency, it just overall how to be a tough person and be a problem solver. That's absolutely correct. I mean, the best problem solvers uh, come from the fire world, you know? So, I mean, you put anything in front of us, we'll figure it out one way or another, or we'll go through it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a mental game, you know, it's a mental game trying to put those pieces together and uh, prepare the folks. You know? And again, with us, with us migrating through people, you know, we have quite the platform uh, to be able to make that impact year in and year out far as establishing a good leadership base as well as uh, good good standards and policies to take forward uh, in their firefighting career oh absolutely yeah. man here's the thing brandon it's it's uh you know this program like i said it it became a developmental program in the early 80s um the curriculum like you went through a slightly different curriculum than we offer now. Of course, the fire season was different than um, different fires. And the personnel, of course, I wasn't here, Jordan wasn't here then. But it's just like Coca-Cola. I mean, the ingredients are the same. It's still the same Coca-Cola. Um, uh, and it's going to be the same Coca-Cola in 20 years, meaning uh, this is a forum where you can get a ton of slides and have cool, challenging operational assignments. And that's what you need, um, to really, uh, you know, 
get quality leadership experience. You can't read a book and get it all. You can't just talk to Jordan and get it all. You really need to get in the arena and find out what it's about. And um, so, so, um, so regardless of, uh, you know, which fire you go to or what the assignment is, it's, it's, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I guess, I guess I get a little bit long winded on these brands. No I, I just want man. to realize that in 1970, the crew members went pretty much what you went through when you were on the crew. Same experience, just a different year. I mean, fire is always going to change, right? I mean, but the, uh, like you said, the elements, the base elements of just firefighting in general, like the, the, the concepts behind them, the leadership, the endurance, the fortitude that you need to have to do that, they'll still say the same for the rest of your life. Now, I like to think that um, you mentioned something about suffering. And I, I know that term might not have real positive connotations, but I just think it's absolutely true. I think that um, you need to you need to really face whatever fears you have. You know, public speaking is oftentimes extremely difficult for folks. Jordan is a marvelous, world class public speaker. Okay, I have no problem with it at all. Well, nine out of ten people do. Um, this is a forum where you can get break through that. Uh, physical fitness, of course, that's a tough one, right? Like, how am I going to roll as a Sawyer on a hot shot crew? Well, one day at a time. Um, and then, of course, just uh, seven days without a shower, eating these MREs, you know? Um, those are real practical examples, but then, like, um, it's a, it's a, I don't, I don't know of any other forums where I can get a, a chance to, to suffer and then, um, year after year and just keep getting better. I, 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 it's kind of masochistic, but I think there, there's a lot to it. Um, and it, yeah, it sounds like it have an impact on you and maybe I'm preaching to the choir here. I just encourage people to not come here and think like, I know how to do that. Like wherever you're at, there's room for improvement, right? I'm going to come back next year and I really hope and pray that I'm better, that I'm smarter, stronger, and um, have a bit more wisdom. I'm not there. I'm not like done getting good at being a hotshot superintendent. I have a ton of room to grow. And as crew members, yeah, you're not going to come here and like be the fittest dude or be the smartest gal or be the um, you know um, most familiar with the utility of a hotshot crew. Like, there's a lot of room to grow. That's hopefully what we um, cultivate here. Absolutely. And that's the thing too, is like, uh, with programs like yours, um, and things like the Academy, which is, I guess, any, anything in general, checking your expectations at the door and your, your presumptions at the door. I think that's pretty critical, not only for the success of the crew, but also the success of yourself. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Those preconceived notions, man. Cause uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, check your expectations. They're not your expectations. I mean, you can have high expectations for everything, but maybe your preconceived notions at the door and your ego too. Yeah, and um, you know, we we you talked about the the phases of a team forming, storming, norming, performing. Um, 
you know, we we fully ex expect that um, we plan for it. And, you know, who wants to go through the storming stage? You know, who looks forward to that? Well, I do. You know, I know the um, the, the the symptoms of that and, and then what it looks like. And then hopefully we can grow as a team and, and work through that um, to get to that performing stage. Um, and each year, yeah, like you said, it's unique to this program. Uh, I would argue that most hotshot crews go through it every single year. They're going to have some turnover and, and things will be slightly different. But um, I think that's a super cool thing to have experienced in like your year. You can look back and say we came together. It was all rainbows and sunshine. And then we really struggled to find our lanes and it got ugly. And then um, we coalesced around a common uh, vision. And, um, and then we, you know, we're all um, on the same sheet of music by the middle of uh, July and into August. And, and we were up on step and, and running strong at then, you know, so that's super cool. That's, that's, um, um, that's fun to see each year. And that's what we aspire to do as quickly as possible. I think it's pretty unique for uh, you two in particular. Uh, you guys get a little insight into the human condition, like right away with the crew every year. And every time it's different, it's probably pretty darn cool to watch every year to see that unfold. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's cool. And one thing I've had to caution myself in my years here is just not carrying over some of those uh, those preconceived notions, I suppose, right? Uh, the slides that I build from this season, uh, they're just not going to work next year and they're not going to make sense next year. You know, so seeing those teams go through the storming phase, um, that has been normalized, you know, being able to see it year in and year out. So I'm much more comfortable in that phase. I remember maybe our second year here, um, you know, I thought I had experienced storming, norming, performing before, you know, and that was our, my toughest year uh, joining a team. You know, I played college sports and high school sports uh, and joining teams was my thing, I thought. Uh, and then I have experienced, you know, one of those most challenging moments of, am I going to be a part of this team? Am I kind of, am I going to pull away from this team? Whatever it is, you know, so um, going through that year and year out has really helped me personally grow and understanding those phases. Uh, but I do think it's really cool that the crew members, uh, not only do we just talk about uh, those team building phases, uh, but they get to literally experience all those phases. And just like we just talked about, you can turn around and see where you transitioned at each one of those phases uh, because of the compressed timeline of our season, as well as, I mean, all those experiences. Uh, there's no place to go. You're going to be here in September. You're going to have fought fire. You're going to have done the prescribed fire season and all of our leadership opportunities through that, you know, so uh, we're going to know a lot about each other as well as uh, how to navigate one another. It's definitely pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, I, like I said, I, I, this is one of my favorite times of my fire career was being on Redmond hotshots and uh, yeah. And that's why you guys are on the show today. Uh, I, I, so stoked to have you guys on the show to promote what you guys do. Uh, I believe in the program just for these reasons that we talked about today. You know, you know, Brandon, I, I'll, uh, for those that don't know it, you know, besides the curriculum and the fuel season, the staff ride, and then of course the, the fire season, 
that we go through, you might remember this. Anytime, every day is a training day, right? So every day we're looking to enhance the experience of the people that come here and whatever we can, you know, if we're bringing in guest speakers or, um, you know, traveling through, you know, uh, if we were to go to a different area to, to get exposure to the crew members so they're aware of, of maybe we're always looking to much training uh, and just slides as possible. But to say it again, the relationships that are formed in the team that you form when you come here is really, I think, the most powerful part about Redmond or maybe even any hotshot crew that you're on. It's those relationships and those shared experiences that you have. Um, because, you know, when you go home at the end of the season, your FMO or your, your supervisor might expect to see a, a handful of certifications. Which NWCG courses did you take? You know, what what did uh what did you get? What was the bang for the buck? And there's some of that. There's definitely some of that, right? Um, but more important, you just know, like I've been changed in this way. And um hopefully, like what happened to me in 04, it helped clarify my map of where I wanted to go in my fire career. Um, a big part of what Jordan and I, Dave, Megan, and Philip, the other permanent staff on this crew do, hopefully is illuminate what opportunities are out there. You know, it is a hotshot crew, we do hotshot stuff. But by being on this crew now, you know, Kat Navarro was on this crew. She is She's so a rad. doctor. She's got a PhD. She works for NIOSH. Or she might have. She might work for CDC now. So I, I, I get a little off subject, but I just get a better understanding of all the opportunities that exist in the agencies that we work for. And that's a super cool undercurrent that, you know, really can't quantify. I can't call an FMO and say, hey, your employee is going to get exposed to a lot of stuff that they've never been exposed to before. Well, you know, that's just uh, difficult to, you know, um, I, I don't want to say sell, but um, make it like a, a good reason to come. And I, I just, there's a lot of power there. I've been every single year, 15 new people, 15 new um, uh, life experiences to share with me and maps to help me understand my map better. That's, that's powerful. So, um, yeah, I warned you, Brandon, I get a little, <laughs> I don't want to say philosophical, more like long winded, but there's a lot that, um, that, that, that Redmond affords that Redding affords Asheville, Lewis and Clark, that you just simply can't quantify. So I think we talked about, uh, how do you apply, you know, um, What's the season look like, you know, um, end of March uh, to the beginning of middle of September? That's the length of the season. Um, and then, of course, the why, the big why, um, leadership development. But um, 
You know, I, I'm just curious, Brandon, when you, when you um, look back on your season, um, what kind of changes happened to you afterwards or, or do you notice now because of Redmond? You know, I think uh, one of the biggest takeaways that I had was the development of new relationships. And these are people from across the country that I've you know never met before. Uh, some of them weren't even primary fire, but that those relationships that were developed out of my time on Redmond, I think those are invaluable. I still talk to these people today, but also some other takeaways of that is that you really get to understand team dynamics very well, especially with people that are fresh that may not be in fire primarily. And they're from all over the country. It, it forces you into a team dynamic and it help, it forces you to develop very rapidly a cohesive unit. And that right there pretty much translates to the rest of your life. Being friendly, being, I guess, an advocate for not only the people that are, that not only for yourself, but the people around you as well. That and you're learning unique flavors of the human condition, I guess you could say, because everybody's got their own leadership style. So if you pick up on these little traits on the hotshot crew with these little flavors of leadership styles, you can translate that to anywhere you go, especially in fire, but also that'll translate to uh, even the private sector, which I'm in now I'm out of fire. So a lot of these um, lessons that I learned on Redmond definitely translate to what I do now. And also gives you a little bit of uh, perseverance as well, because you know, it's fire. So you need to learn how to be tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, did I get that wrong? Jordan was, I, I, I don't, I know this, this is a podcast and people are going to listen to it and I don't want to misspeak the cat work for CDC, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I think you're in the right lane. CDC. Okay. Yeah, yeah she's to be nice, all that. Yeah, hey, Brandon, you were on the crew. What, Neil Austin was your soup? Yep. Neil. Good old Neil Austin. And uh, James Persewell was the assistant. Old Bubba. See, old I, work, Bubba. I work for both those cats as well. The, James's detail year as the assistant superintendent. Uh, I was on the crew then. And then Neil's first year as a soup here at Redmond. I was on the crew. Nice. Yeah. Both solid dudes. They're, uh, they're funny. And, you know, circling back to what you were saying earlier about your leadership style and how, uh, it makes you feel, how you made somebody feel or how that person made you feel. Those two guys, they're awesome leaders. And, uh, I think you guys are going to be carrying on that tradition of their, uh, the, the foundation they laid before you. I can't, I can't, say enough about those guys. And I also know you as well, personally, Gabe, and I know you're going to be falling right into that lane as an excellent leader. Oh, thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it. It's, it's totally humbling to sit in this seat, to be totally honest. It's extremely, um, it was a long journey and I am so fortunate to, to even say the name neil austin is um <laughs> it's not uh it won't set in for some time he's he's a he's a uh, remarkable human let alone firefighter 
Um, and then, um, yeah, uh, James, Bruce Well. Um, and uh, of course, I mentioned Lance Honda. That's a that's Legend. super cool legacy to be a part of. And um, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, I say those names, but also, um, you know, <laughs> being associated with um, Jordan Gulley, Megan Sailors, Philip Caburro, Dave Barone, easily the <laughs> the best team that I've ever been a part of. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. And um, of course, I am very, uh, just by being in this role, like I mentioned, Kat Navarro, um, Jesse Fenno, um, uh, John Moon, there's so many crew members that come through the ranks here that have challenged me and made me a better person. Um, but I don't want to uh, get into particulars. I'm sure I'll leave someone out. It's just a really cool experience. Um, so I, I um, Brandon, I, I do want to make sure that people know how to apply, which I think we've touched on enough. And um, if there's any questions about that, I'm easily findable. And of course, Facebook is ubiquitous. Everyone knows how to look on Facebook. Our, our outreach will be on there soon enough. People can find out how to apply and get clarity on what the program is if it isn't already there. Um, Brandon, I think you're, um, like I mentioned before, this the impetus for me reaching out to you, and shame on me for not doing it earlier, is one of the detailers this year, one of the crew members um, dropped your name. And I wanted to make sure that there was another forum where we could talk about this stuff. But I really appreciate you taking on this lift. Like, this is super cool. It's innovative. And you cover, I've listened to the podcast. You hit a lot of different subject areas. And that's just impressive. And um, yeah, I want to applaud you. And thank you for the hard work you're doing. This is a voice in the crowd. And um, yeah, it's got a lot of momentum. And I'm stoked to to be associated with you. And um, also, this isn't a one-way street. So if there's any way that um, you know we can help you out or um, you know get more listeners, I don't even know what what your goals particularly are. But let me know because unique, it's different, and you're making a positive change as far as I can tell. So I appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, but there's really no need to thank me. It's everybody who's a guest on this podcast. That's who the show is. I mean. I'm just a facilitator at the end of the day and I get to have, you know, cool people like Jordan and Gabe on the show to explain some lesser known topics or uh, maybe misinterpreted or miscategorized kind of aspects to fire. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's important to me at least to spread the message of fire because it's a very, very wide audience. And I think that building better firefighters and better humans at the end of the day is is a, a great thing. Well, yeah. keep it going, man. I'm sure there are some dark nights and I, I just, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what your, you know, <laughs> what your challenges are doing this, but keep it going. I, I wish you the very best. Yeah, man. And, um, you know, for the listeners out there, like I said, Lance Honda was, 
he was one of my mentors and um um as you're learning more about redmond as you're maybe you're listening to this because you were on the crew and you're curious um or maybe you're listening to this because you're uh wanting to apply and get more information but um that first step you know of leadership is leading yourself and um figuring out where you want to go is a big part of that you know um taking it's practice it's i don't believe leaders are uh born i think you can get consistently better at it um but i think you need to be uh motivated intrinsically to do that and so um this program you know I want to do it. Maybe you're saying that to yourself. We'll take that first step, make that phone call, get a little bit more information, um, reach out to Jordan Gulley, reach out to someone else that's been on Redmond. Um, just keep making forward progress. Um, reach out to me. Um, and we're easy enough to find these days, and I appreciate you having us on. Yeah, man. I'm a, I'm happy to have you guys on the show and uh, kind of explain and give the rundown of how Redmond operates and what to expect and the expectations are. Um, yeah, it's a unique program. And like I said, I, I valued my time at Redmond. And I learned a lot, not only about fire, not only about leadership, but all the other little things associated with the human condition. And it's one of those, uh, like you're saying, one of those forums that you can learn a lot about a lot of different people one, but also about yourself and be better as a human. And that's a huge value to the fire community as a whole. You're talking Jordan Sock. He's, he's a big student of perception, introspection, but I agree. Well, yeah, I mean, the two things you just said, and then you got to add, you know, fighting fire too. you. You do get marginally better at fighting fire, you know, and exposed to some of those other things. And you have the human dynamics, the group dynamics, uh, as well as, you know, you still do got to dig. You still do got to cut. Um, but, you know, we've, we've beat around the subject a couple of times, you know, Sebastian Younger's book, Tribe. You know, that Excellent. was uh, one of our book club books on Redmond uh, 2019, I believe, you know, and um you know, really stripping down those facades, putting those people in that common experience, you know, uh, usually natural disasters, not to equate firefighting on a crew to a natural disaster, but I mean, things are chaotic at times and then you do have to come together. And then the revolving leadership opportunities, you know, that does create more chaos and more friction within our own system than necessary. I mean, but it is the mission and it is the goal of the crew to expose us all to all those feelings. So even though it would be easier for, me and my job uh, to have status quo and keep everybody in the same roles throughout the year. And it would be even easier and clearer and more transparent for the crew members if we did have that uh, more traditional mindset. Uh, it is definitely more beneficial to have those revolving roles and those new exposures, I mean, rapidly. You know, every four to seven days, something's changing within our crew. And um, I mean, it really highlights. You know, what are you doing every single day to make your team better? You know, some days that is leading the charge, scouting, figuring it out, putting up flagging. Some days that is filling up your Sawyer's uh, saw, you know? So what role am I filling today? How do I fill that role to the highest of my abilities? And then uh, I think it's our job to prepare you for what we know is ahead of you out there, you know, physically and mentally for sure. Oh yeah. It's a unique program in, and I cannot 
place enough value on the experience that I have had over there. And I hope that everybody listening to this show, uh, they get an idea of what you what Redmond is all about. And I hope that they go and apply, take that opportunity and get the experience from a very unique crew and a very unique aspect or component of fire. I love it, man. Yeah, you know, and I would totally have to uh, say, you know, no matter what uh, preconceived notions are out there about our program or any other training program, you know, uh, we are still tasked and asked with to do the exact same uh, type one work as anybody else. You know, so whatever you think it is before you show up or whatever you've been told, I mean, I'm still asked to burn out the same lengths of divisions and uh, tactics are difficult to decide and problem solving is a must. You know, so uh, we are uh, doing a lot over here with this program, the leadership side, as well as uh, building a type one resource every single year. You know, and, uh, it's a cool challenge to, to be on the leadership side of it, but it's also just a cool challenge to navigate every single year, you know, so uh, rising to that firefighting level, as well as uh, just building better leaders. I mean, those are two huge tasks for any group every year. And uh, that's exactly what we take on every single year here and look forward to it. Like you're saying, man, it's no small task, but uh, yeah, you guys do it year after year. So <laughs> it's pretty awesome. So uh, getting to the end of the show, um, I'd like to one, thank both of you for being on the show and then explaining what Redmond's all about and a little bit of details into your program. And uh, yeah, I'm going to highly encourage everybody out there listening to take the opportunities and apply. Um, but other than that, I always like to give an opportunity for you guys to give a shout out to some homies, heroes, and mentors. Gabe, you want to start off? Well, thank you, Brandon, for creating the forum for us to have this discussion. Um, you mentioned Neil Austin. He's, um, thank you, Neil, for laying the groundwork for, for me. And then, of course, uh, Lance Honda. Um, who really helped me uh, achieve um, um, the challenges I, I put in front of myself. So, so thanks, Lance. And then I'm not going to get into, uh, you know, <laughs> particularly uh, employees or, or detailers who had come through, but I would encourage anybody like yourself, Brandon, that is finding unique and uh, cool ways to to bridge these gaps and get information out there to just press on regardless. Um, yeah, thanks again for your time. And I wish you the very best with that six month old. That's awesome. Congratulations again. And uh, we'll see you. We'll see you out there. Oh, yeah, man. You can tell I'm well rested by the bags under my eyes. <laughs> it's awesome having kids, though. God, man, it's life changing. And uh, Jordan, who do you got for us? You know, that, that's what I was doing before this. I had to catch a 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. nap uh, before doing this. My daughter was up all night. Oh, no. I was like, I need to sleep. Uh, but, uh, you know, definitely shout out to you, ma'am. Uh, thank you for providing this forum. Uh, I definitely wanted to make sure we got Neil and James shouted out in here, you know, spoke of being on the crew. And, I mean, those guys are legends, and I work for both of them as well. Uh, I would uh, shout out all the Redmond alum. You know, I know we're big. You see the pictures behind our behind our heads here. 
Uh, we go all the way back to 1960. You know, cool story. I met my wife's grandpa at our wedding, and he was on the crew from 60 to 63. You know, so he's one of the first photos in here on this wall, and we go all the way to 21 now. You know, so all the Redmond alum, shout out. Hopefully, there are some more out there listening. Uh, Tenasket Ranger District, my home district, always. Love the Okanagan Wenatchee. I know they're on the Colville now, but I'm an Okanagan kid through and through. Uh, Paisley Ranger District, Six Rivers National Forest, all my old homes. And then, uh, yeah, enjoy the program. Please apply. Uh, it'll be good to see you guys. And um, yeah, man, we take, we take anybody and look forward to uh, carving out some hot shots out of you. Hell yeah. Well, thank you guys for the opportunity for uh, having getting on the show. This is awesome. Um, I know it's kind of hard, especially logistically with agencies. Sometimes they don't approve. Sometimes they do. And uh, I just want to applaud you guys for stepping up and getting on the show. Definitely appreciate it. It's awesome. Uh, other than that, for those folks that are listening, I'll definitely uh, throw some links in the show notes to all of the application portals uh, for Redmond Hotshots. And uh, yeah. If anybody else out there is listening that's uh, part of Asheville or Lewis and Clark or Reading, let's uh, hear about your program as well. Offers out there on the table. So anyways, Gabe, Jordan, thank you guys for being on the show. Definitely appreciate it. Thank you. Take care, Brandon. Peace. <laughs> Later, guys. And boom, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with my good friends, Jordan Goley and Gabe Mason from Redmond Interagency Hotshots. Uh, yeah, I am a huge supporter of that program. I thought it was great. And uh, yeah, the memories that I made and uh, the networking that I did over there and all the experiences that I had on that crew in 2016. Well, they were probably uh, one of the highlights of my career. And uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. It was a freaking blast. And I highly, highly recommend this program. But there are some requirements. So you got to be a perm. So either career seasonal or full time or career seasonal. Um, I, I don't know what they're called yet, but anyways, you got to be a perm. So yeah, you got to be a perm and uh, yeah, you got to apply. So if you guys and girls out there are looking to uh, dip your toes into that program over there at Redmond Interagency Hotshots, well, check in the uh, show notes. I'll definitely put some, uh, some links and some contact information in the show notes. But for the rest of you, uh, thank you for listening to the show. And uh, yeah, we're not out of the weeds yet. So uh, make sure you're keeping your head on a swivel and staying safe. Uh, special shout out to our sponsors. We've got Mystery Ranch, makers of the finest and most comfortable damn fire packs in the game, period, end of story. You can go check out all of the stuff they're doing, including the Mystery Ranch Backbone series over at www.mysteryranch.com. We've got Hotshot Brewery. Oh, yeah, they make kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, and a portion of the proceeds goes to another kick-ass cause. What is that? Well, it's Wildland Firefighter Foundation. So go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check it out. We've got the ass movement and it stands for the anti-surface shading movement. So if you got a problem pooper on the crew and you uh, need to educate them, well, head over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement. And listeners to this podcast can get 10% off their entire order by entering the code anchorpointass10 at checkout. And last but not least, we've got the Smoky Generation, also known as the American Wildfire Experience. Bethany, you have an awesome organization. 
and uh yeah you're doing great for the community especially those grants that's pretty cool but if you want to find out more go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out y'all know the drill stay safe stay savage peace